Empires of the Future. Empires yeah. of the Future talking about yeah. Go sorry. Suffering. Yeah, the meaning of suffering. Yeah. Uh, we were going to talk about country music, but you decided to, listen, to talk about this instead. But um, <laughs> this, this is a really good article in the Wall Street Journal. I'm glad you enjoyed it too, and and uh, very eye opening. And uh, so we're going to talk about yeah, the meaning of suffering, which was in the Wall Street Journal this, this weekend. I don't know the writer. I don't know if you have it off the top of your head or. Uh, the writer of the particular article. Right, you'll have to find that if you go uh, there. Actually, here, here it is. I was reading it this morning again. Uh, written by Paul Bloom. Yes. Who, this is, uh, he's a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, who, uh, another famous name is a professor at the University of Toronto. Isn't, um... Jordan uh, Peterson, Jordan right? Peterson, right? Mm-hmm. University of Toronto. Um, and this is a, uh, adapted from his new book, The Sweet Spot, The Pleasures of Suffering, and the search for meaning, which will be published on November the second. So, if you if we like this article, or you listening here liked this topic, you can read the book uh, by Paul Bloom called "The Sweet Spot." Um, so, yeah. Anyways, I, I like when they. I don't know if you've if since you're now a Wall Street Journal subscriber now. There's a lot of these particular articles where they take kind of like you know an, a chapter or maybe like a portion of a book yeah. and make it an article and it kind of like oh that's a fascinating subject maybe I'll go and buy the whole book and read more about this uh, there was a, a discussion on talking to strangers mm-hmm. that was in the weekend paper a while back and I actually bought the book yeah. I finished the book but did buy the book from reading just an, a, a, a kind of a part of a, a particular book so anyways um, oh, this is a phenomenal idea um to summarize a book and to in a you know a couple pages on a newspaper to share in, in insights from it and uh, give you a taste. Yeah. Uh, you know the topic is unbelievably important. Probably one of the most perennial, one of the most important topics to talk about, which is suffering. Yeah. Uh, something we all deal with. Something that nobody wants. Yeah. Uh, and his his take on it, uh, which is I, I feel very open. He basically uh, seems to have this attitude, I have a lot of questions about suffering. And I think that that's good because while that may not feel like a perspective, mostly I think the most natural perspective that we all have about suffering is, oh, I'd rather not. Right. <laughs> sure. and, and that is, uh, in an unthinking way, we all fall into that, but then we are afraid of it and we don't engage with it. And then it hits us out of nowhere and we all are decimated. Yeah. And, and that is... Suffering. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, reading this article. Made me think of uh, relationships are difficult, right? Friendships are difficult. Mm-hmm. Marriage relationship, children's relationships are difficult. And they talk about children a little bit, but they're so worth it. But there is a certain investment, time, energy, uh, other aspects of investment in relationship. And by investing, there is you are opening yourself up for pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. We we do sin against one another yeah. quite often. That but yet we. We do. We need to invest in relationships, even though there will be pain, yeah. that and suffering that comes out of it. And then, in this article, really kind of explains why we do that, you know, right. and why it's beneficial for us to actually suffer. Right, and it's helpful because in the church we talk a lot about the difference between, say, happiness and joy. Um, and so, this would be the difference between, you know, uh, sadness and sorrow, and sadness and suffering is, is sort of the lines that he run. He runs, but. Um, I don't think we talk quite as much about meaning mm-hmm. itself. Uh, we, and I think that's because meaning is an evaluation. It assesses uh, what, what things are important and what things aren't. And in the church, we deal with the things that are of fundamental importance. Uh, and and sure. that's, that's what we're in the business of. Um, and so it is an enormous undertaking to write a book like this and in a challenging undertaking to summarize it like they did, but uh, what I hope we can do today is kind of just open up a lot of these questions that he has, because I think they're some of the most important questions that, that human beings can ask, Yeah, and, and ones that we are tempted to not ask, because they're so hard. Yeah, Suffering is hard. Yeah, uh, I've, I've even in the last couple of months, um, you'll hear people talk about how, um, say for instance, divorce is a kind of death, and it is, yeah. and you will grieve it. We are shocked by the number of things in our life that we have to grieve. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that a lot of that is because um, we don't want to look these things in the eye. They're very terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so- sorrow and suffering is very terrifying. Yeah. And, and uh, knowing that more could come yeah. when, when we're, we haven't dealt with what we've already experienced is uh, overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, 
again, I love always love reading these review articles. Like my favorite thing about being a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal is this particular article in the weekend paper. Okay. Uh, it's always like the longest one, and it's always something insightful, either historic or psychological and this type mm-hmm. of things. Um, but yeah, I really kind of, as pastors that talking about suffering, because the Bible is, is very open about this, you know, we suffer with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it elevates, it, it elevates this, 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 this idea that the, the Christian life, you will suffer, right? Mm-hmm. And because Christ, our Savior suffered and right. we are in Christ and, and we are united with him. We're part of the body of Christ. And so suffering is a part of the Christian life, but yet yeah. as Americans, and especially because, uh, you know, let's be from maybe we're our, our, our kind of we're middle class Americans. Right. We we're very much caught up in that kind of escape suffering and mm-hmm. trying to protect yourself from suffering and try to invest in things that will give you comfort and that will protect you from suffering and pain and, yeah. and these type of things. And so to kind of just talk about how as humans, the that the, the benefit to us that when we pursue a life of meaning and purpose, right. that suffering comes along with that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so before we jump into it, the big questions, and, and I want to distinguish these questions because I think this is going to be so key. Is there meaning in suffering? It's a very important question. But then can there be meaning in suffering? Uh, because where we're going to end up, just spoiler alert, is that um, I believe as, as a Christian that God can use suffering for our good, but this world is broken. So right. every suffering, especially outside of Christ, might not have meaning right. um, because right. everything's broken and, and we do die. Correct. Uh, and, and so uh, we'll get there, uh, but let's jump into it. Yeah. Uh, it starts out by saying, quote, the simplest theory of human nature is that we work as hard as we can to avoid uh, painful experiences like the ones that he opens talking about, about uh, losing a child yeah. or uh, any, any sorts of suffering that you regularly hear about. Uh, we pursue pleasure and comfort. We hope to make it through life unscathed. Suffering and pain are by their very nature to be avoided. The tidying guru Marie Kondo became famous by telling people to throw away possessions that don't spark joy. And many would see such purging as excellent life advice in general, end quote. Hmm. We do. I mean, I think we're going to be very direct today about uh, Christian truths regarding these things. We do not seek suffering as Christians, but when it comes, we look at it differently. Um, and so still, as Christians, uh, we can start here. There's not a whole lot of difference in the sense of, do we seek suffering, whether believer or, not, or non-believer? No, uh, we don't seek suffering. Right. Um, and the, the immediate question is, okay, but is your accumulation of possessions making you happy? Right. And where we live, uh, no, it is, right. it is not. Right. A lot of us are accumulating possessions. You can't help it. We have a lot of money. We've had a lot of money. Um, and so that's the first move here is that, no, the accumulation of possessions will not increase happiness right and, that's, and that's, I think I've read before like uh, after like a certain amount like I think they basically calculated that after you've made about seventy eighty thousand dollars any more money that you make doesn't actually increase your happiness right. that there's almost like from a monetary standpoint like actually they've they've actually calculated there's a certain number mm-hmm. kind of a range of number that anything past that it's just you're not even if you if you made a million dollars compared to the person who made ninety thousand dollars a year. That that you're actually kind of not any more happy if you have a million dollars. And right. so um, there is a sense where more money and more things do not actually make us happy. There's almost like a a certain standard or a certain like um, level of needs and that provides some 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 comforts like that are pretty basic and that it actually makes you fairly happy. And even the person who has like four different cars and a vacation home and some other right. place, they're actually not any more happy. They have more comforts, right. but they're actually not any, any more happy, which is really, really interesting because I think we were caught into thinking more money, more possessions. That's the, the ladder to more happiness. Mm-hmm. But then really, as this article proves, is that, that really doesn't... And you even have people, I think who are celebrities, especially you know, um, in Hollywood or others, the reason why they, they probably spend some of their time and energy doing like nonprofits and stuff and charitable things is that 
because to being an actor or whatever you're doing and then just making a bunch of money doesn't really increase your happiness. You're like, I have to have some other meaning to my life, some other purpose, because this isn't really doing it for me. I need something else. Right. To, to really give me meaning because okay. uh, being an actor or a, a comedian or a magician, that's just not providing the purpose and meaning. It's, it's not helping people per se. It's not bettering the world in any way. I need to go do something else on the side, uh, either raising money or doing other, or other things to have purpose and meaning. Sure. Which sometimes doing those things, like you know doing some, uh, some charitable things in Africa, other, other third world areas, there's a sense where you're not your rich, wealthy place in the um, you know in California. Now you're amongst these people, and oh, I have all this purpose now. I have all this meaning to my life, and it's interesting how a lot of people tend to do that because they need something to give them meaning and and purpose to their to their life. Right, and so contrast that with the next statement, which is quote, pain can distract us from our anxieties and help us transcend the self. Uh, this is a very complex article, and I've had a harder time pulling out sections because when you're this, is, we've done this before. When we try to summarize, yep. we summarize an article that was a summary of a book. Right, it gets dense, right. and so um, between happiness and pain, uh, between pleasure and uh, sorrow, <coughs> uh, is our lives. Yep. Um, but this point uh, that. Pain, one of the values of pain is that can end up distracting us from our anxieties and helping us to transcend. This is like my favorite sentence of this whole article. Yes, it's a very good one. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay then, Matt, do you pursue pain then? Yeah, you know, again, when you were, maybe when you were talking, it's like, well, we don't, we don't like go seeking out pain and suffering. Like, there is a sense where it's not like, okay, there's pain and suffering there. I'm now going to walk to it. Uh, because I watch what I want to do, right? Sure. Uh, but there is a sense where maybe subconsciously we do choose things that are, they talk about watching horror movies or sure, watching sure. like uh, movies that are sad, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, why it, it, Like why would you watch Schindler's List or Passion of Christ, yeah. these movies? It's like, I would rather watch, you know, you would think most people would never watch that movie, but yet like the Passion of Christ made millions, billions of millions of dollars. Yeah. Horror movies always make money, uh, and, and so there's a sense where that's just people, they seek out these kind of negative expressions or these ne- negative experiences. And, and so I don't know, they, it's, this is a fascinating sentence that it says it distracts us from our anxieties. So there's a sense where crying or, or, or watching something or listening to something that makes me cry or makes me scared, I forget about myself. I'm distracted by what's happening or what I'm listening to. And it helps me transcend the self where I'm not so focused on myself. I think that is fascinating. Uh, And I think there's a, I was thinking about this as like, you know, when I go on, uh, how many times have you gone out of the country for like mission trips or something like that? Um, Twice. Okay. I've gone a lot and it's probably one of my favorite things in ministry to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, am uncomfortable mostly. I sleep in very hot, uncomfortable places. I eat food that... I particularly wouldn't eat at home. Um, I am far more dirty than I am typically than I am at home. Uh, the way that I act is different than who I am at home. Um, but yet I am so at peace and so happy there than I am sometimes at home. Yes. Even though at home I have all these comforts, I have reliable internet, right. I have all these things that I feel like I need at home. But then when I'm there, I don't even think about those things. I don't think about social anxiety issues. I don't think about... Uh, way that I look, none of that stuff matters to me. Right. And it's fascinating because I think, even though I don't see it as pain or suffering, sure. but there is a sense where I'm putting myself in a situation which is outside my comfort zone. It's it's making me more alert to yeah. my surroundings. Whatever it is, it's doing something into me, in me internally that's bringing certain joys right. that I don't think in the moment I really even think about as I need to be here because it's, I'm, I'm more, I'm I'm less comfortable than I am at home, and this is good for me. Like, I don't really think at that level. Right, and uh, we have a certain uh, sort of intuition or some sort of uh, sense inside of us that certain things are more worthwhile and worth pushing ourselves for. Correct. And uh, I think you're you're quite far down that road in your example, but we have to pay attention to these drives because this is present in what what we talk about fairly often uh, in the last couple months about running. Yeah. Look, 
you you run for various benefits. I get people that say to me, like, look, what I can't believe that you run it. It's not enjoyable. And I almost don't even notice. Um, I know that there's pain involved in it, but the gains, and not just your health gains, what it does for your mind, what it does in terms of, we talk about camaraderie, sure. all of the different things that come with it. And this is, you'd apply this to weightlifting and, and, and fitness is a whole discussion. But one of the things that I, this article is prompted by, I believe, is that in our materialistic mode, we have so focused on this world yep. that we have bankrupted ourselves. Right. And, and we have denied this intuition and this, this inner sense that we have that there are higher things. Okay, reassess then. Yeah. Don't just keep going down a dead-end street. Correct. And, and that's one of the main claims that, that he has. Um, and, and to our kind of future-obsessed age, and look, our podcast is all called Empires of the Future, but certain things come from the past. And the old roads are the surest courses to meaning. I mean, we're going to get to a proof of that later, that when I came to it reading this article yesterday, I went, well, we got to talk about this, right. uh, where it mentions uh, pastors and yep. one area clergy. where pastors yep. or clergy excel. So we'll yeah. get to that in a little bit. Um, but that, that just makes this really powerful uh, to me, that everybody knows there's more to life yeah. than, you know, Mountain Dew and pizza. Yeah. Uh, I speak as a youth minister. Yeah. Um, but... Okay, but what are we doing about that? Right. What are we doing about that? And I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, about... Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this. It's unrelated necessarily to this article, per se, but I've been, at, I've been talking to my wife about, you know, as, as in our, life, our family's in this transitional phase, you know, about even, like, the church planting ministry mm-hmm. starting process. You know, we... Our church here at Redeemer had, like, a, a pretty big milestone in May when we became a independent church we were no longer a church plant we were and there's a certain like excitement about that but then you start to realize like the the pain and suffering of the of the grind like you almost miss that that kind of like i don't know what the future holds i don't know if we'll make it i don't know there's a certain like there's a certain camaraderie as you mentioned there's a certain unity that that brings that almost like you don't necessarily are able to kind of uh, understand exactly how mm-hmm. that works. It's almost very mysterious, yeah. almost invisible in the way yeah. that it works. But there's a sense where you are kind of like climbing this mountain. Yeah. And it's all the, the climbing the mountain, you find out, is the better experience than the actual summit portion. Sure, sometimes. Yeah, yeah and um, it's fascinating that it seems like the grind and the, and the process and the step-by-step, there's a certain joy you get out of that that once it's gone there's a certain like i guess longing and and, yeah, and sure. sadness that that's gone away um and even though you're victorious or you're sure. celebrating you're happy yeah uh and it's just really fascinating how that all works yeah i mean and um the adventure the facing of the unknown yeah uh journey over destination this yeah. is uh this is very important for us to realize this is a fundamental <laughs> element of what it is to be human yeah. is to face these things knowing that you win some, you lose some, uh, but still yet uh, we all have a sense that some of this needs to be faced by us. Right. And, 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 and the unknown comes in many different kinds of shapes and sizes and so do people. And so different people face different kinds of unknowns. Now, have you ever seen the TV show Band of Brothers? No, I've not. I haven't read the book. No. Stephen Ambrose. There's a, there's a beginning of the, and I don't want to take this down too much, but there is talk about war mm-hmm. and having kids. You yep. know, people choose to go to war and have kids. There's an amazing statement. If you don't know much about Band of Brothers, it's a story about Easy Company mm-hmm. during World War II. They yeah. were um, parachute uh, troopers who jumped out of the planes and, 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 and uh, dropped into behind enemy lines, behind the Normandy line as they were, uh, as the Army uh, Marines uh, hit the beach. They were on the backside, you know, kind of compressing the Germans. Um, and it, it mentioned something pretty remarkable that the men who fought in Easy Company said, I'm thankful for Hitler. I'm thankful for the, the war because I never would have met my brothers yeah. if this event never happened. Yeah. And it's interesting about that particular story is, yeah, they went through very difficult times, especially the Battle of the Bulge. That was a devastating uh, kind of counterattack by the Germans, kind of their last stand before they pushed into into Germany. But 
um, after the war was over, after they had basically Hitler had, had committed suicide, they had won the war. The soldiers did a they drank a lot, and a lot of them died, right. just out of pure drunkenness and not knowing what to do with themselves. Yeah. So, like the victory and the yeah. celebration almost disconnected them from their brothers, yeah. and they actually didn't. Their discipline kind of failed a bit, and yeah. they got comfortable in that situation. You would think, oh, now the war's over, they are full of joy, which they had that sense, but they almost had no purpose now, right? And no meaning, and so they just drank to fill the time, right? It's 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 it's, a, it's almost the most devastating sto- part of that story is the end of the story, sure. Not actually the Normandy, yep. not the Battle of the Bulls, and yeah. the other kind of battles that they fought. Yeah, yeah, the our dependence on purpose, uh, on meaning, and. Uh, and our ability to then assume once we've experienced it once we will we will know it i mean look this is uh this is ambrosia i mean uh, yeah. meaning is the thing that will keep us alive and yeah. that that is one of the trajectories of this article is look if you are not drinking meaning you better watch out because yeah. you will find yourself on empty and a human on empty does a lot of foolish things yep um and and so uh we're gonna get there uh one of the places that he arrives at very quickly after he's talking about, okay, but look, some of these higher uh, higher drives that we have, uh, these intuitions drive us to go to war. They drive us to have yeah, kids. kids. They drive us to the more important things. But he says, more generally, uh, the projects that are most central to our lives involve suffering and sacrifice. The projects that are most central to our lives involve suffering and sacrifice. And they do. Yeah. And um, as a person who... Uh, I, as a minister, you watch, uh, you know, we, <laughs> part of my job, in part, I, uh, I go to funerals. I mean, I've been to a lot of funerals, and, and, and we oversee funerals, and you are forced to be face-to-face with suffering. Right. And what it does is it educates you on what value there is in it. Yeah. Whether you want to or not, um, sitting with people, um, feeling powerless. Yeah. in a lot of cases, to help as you watch people suffer. Right. And, you know, and we, and we pray and we, and we listen and we do what we can do, but we always feel inadequate about it. Yeah. You, you always go, I wish I could do more. Right. And, and that is very challenging yeah. uh, to watch people suffer. Hmm. Um, but still yet, the projects that are most central to our lives involve suffering and sacrifice. Absolutely agreed. Mm. The importance of suffering is old news, he says. It is part of many religious traditions, including the story in Genesis of how original sin, original sin condemned us to a life of struggle. Yeah. It is interesting that, you know, in the garden, they didn't struggle. There's no right. pain in right. the garden, you know, and they experience meaning, right? Because God obviously created them and placed them in the garden and walked with them and then gave them meaning by saying multiply and fill the earth and... Uh, be fruitful and in the garden keep the land keep yeah. the garden especially they, they are given me god gives the meaning god gives the purpose um now sh- struggle and pain is a post-fall reality um but there is a sense where jesus i think really helpful here is jesus is suffering not only did he suffer on the cross but he suffered in life right yeah. i mean his father passed away you know before he died right um, we know that Jesus was his a, father, meaning Joseph. Uh, Joseph, yes, father. thank you very much. Um, but also that he, you know, uh, he was persecuted in life. I mean, he was almost pushed off a mountain right. on a cliff by his own right, people, right. by his own neighbors, <laughs> by his, the people he grew up with. Uh, you know, people wanted to stone him. Uh, you had all the other issues that Jesus faced, um, and so, but yet he was doing his father's will. Right, he had his purpose and meaning, and and I think the Bible again, as we've mentioned before, that. In a fallen world, suffering and pain is a part of our world. But as Christians, we have meaning through that. Where you brought up earlier, you know, the, the question of meaning and purpose for the non-Christian is is harder to find. Right. I mean, sure, there's meaning as being a parent. There's still meaning going to war and fighting for your country and protecting people. Being a, a police officer or other profession who protects people, even if you're not a Christian, there's right. purpose in that. Um, but in other aspects of life, it really is, it's more difficult to find the silver lining or the, the purpose and meaning when you are outside the will of God. Right, and that sounds, it sounds coarse and it sounds yeah, mean, but here's the true. thing. If, if, you're, uh, if you're a particular kind of person outside of Christ raging at the world and say you get really angry at uh, a family member and you just 
punch out the windows of somebody's car. Well, look, that you brought that suffering on yourself, and it accomplishes nothing. Yeah. And and that's um, suffering. I mean, one of the great meanings of Christ is that suffering can be redeemed. Right. We can then react against that suffering and go, I don't. There's no life in that. Right. And go a different way. But if we are not going a different way from it, if we're just indulging in suffering and or self-pity or any number, well, then it doesn't have value. I mean, that's his next quote here. He says, quote, not all suffering is valuable, though. To tell someone who is deeply depressed that they need more pain in their life would be cruel if it weren't so ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about I kept on, and I don't know if I was interpreting this wrongly, but I just kept thinking about this. Especially that that sentence that I, pain can distract us from our anxieties and help us transcend the self. Going along with this sentence, you know, I, I, I tend to find, and as ministers, you talk to people who deal with anxiety and issues. It seems like the the issue with people in these situations is that they are over focused on their life, okay. and they typically, not always, but typically. Uh, people that are in these situations put a lot of their energy and thought process on their issues and rarely rarely do they focus their attention on other people because it's almost like well i am i am struggling in so many different ways i couldn't possibly um basically try to understand other people's struggles and pains and then focus on them yeah but it seems like i don't know maybe this is me thinking wrongly but i, I feel like that's what people the therapy, therapy they need in some of their situations is like maybe the issue for them is that you're too focused on yourself. It's almost like you, you're you struggling and so you're you're running to comfort or you're running to some side of, of, of I, don't want, I don't need more anxiety. I already have enough. So I'm just going to kind of escape into this kind of dark comfort, no distractions, no stress, and get away from people because that will cause me more stress and more anxiety. And it seems like maybe that's what people need for their well-being sure um and i don't know if if in those people this are we are we when we give them that advice and counselor are we are we doing this what the sentence is saying are we basically telling them you know uh you don't want more pain so maybe you should kind of retreat or should we do say the other thing should we say the other the other advice they actually don't retreat uh be active even though if you are active with people especially and that will lead to pain because because right. their issues are going to be stuff you have to deal with and so but yep. that actually may be what you need well yeah i mean yeah. Uh, one of the ways i've heard this phrase is if you love people you will hurt and you will yeah. cry and you will weep love sure. people anyway right love people anyway i mean um but there are there are many categories of things like this that you know look if you spend uh, your days trying to have good health you will not have good health right uh the way to have good health is to have goals outside of the entire realm of your health. Uh, goals to Correct. help people, goals to uh, go see places, goals. We have, again, we have a sense of things in life that are worth going after. Right. And then when we get on survival mode, though, we can move to this place that you're talking about where it's like, I don't know what to do because I, I feel that I need to focus on myself. Well, look, when you're starving, Yes. That's what your body tells you. And when your spirit is starving, that's what your spirit tells you. But spiritual life, spiritual vitality comes from God. And where it goes is, listen, look to the life that is out from right. yourself. The answer does not lie within. Right. <laughs> the answers are not all within you. Meaning is found out from you. Right. And that category, look, it gets confusing, but... Uh, there's that paradox and that kind of, it's like a gravity well yeah. of when you're immature, you want to focus on yourself. Right. But that's why we start out. I mean, that's why God gives us parents who say, hey, hey, right. I'll give you what you need. Right. But in the meantime, here's the things we're about today. Right. And it doesn't, it, it makes sense then in that light, why people who have either had really bad parents uh-huh. or who have had really, I mean, look, um, many people misunderstand the Bible to say God will not give us more than we can handle. That right. is not a scripture verse in the Bible. The, the right. verse says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and right. God is faithful, you can bear up under it. Right. But that's for Christians, by right. the way. And so a lot of people experience more grief and more shame and more pain than they can bear. Right. That is, Jesus is the answer to that problem. Absolutely. And not only is it Jesus, it is his church who right. we are to care for each other. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's what we try to do as 
pastors, but as believers, we share in each other's sufferings. And so that, that I mean, I, I felt what you were feeling, that yeah. there is a part of this that um, what we're trying to discern when you meet people is, I mean, frankly, how hurt are you? Right. Because I want to tell you the truth, but I can't tell what truth you're able to hear yet. Correct. And, and what, what uh, loving people doesn't mean just giving them what they want. Right. It means discerning what they really need. Right. And, and that's a part of the key. That's part of the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he contrasts that. Not all suffering is valuable, but he says, but chosen suffering is a different story. Chosen suffering is a different story. A life well lived is more than a life of pleasure and happiness. It involves, among other things, meaningful pursuits. And some forms of suffering involving struggle and difficulty are essential parts of achieving these higher goals and for living a complete and fulfilling life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, again, I think this is probably the helpful um, uh, added to the question that I had. You know, I think maybe people need to be encouraged to to choose suffering that helps them distract from their own self focus, right? Yeah. It's and you know, going back to the talking about celebrities and stuff. You know, there we we you know, there's a lot of stories of of very wealthy people who are unhappy. Yeah, sure. You know, just completely just not... I think that they're finding that, yeah, they're good at what they do, or maybe they're not good at what they do, but they get paid well to do it. Sure. And, and they go like, well, there's just no meaning here. Like, what? Do, how am I helping the world? I mean, yeah. by being someone who makes people laugh, is that really changing the world anyways? Is this just giving people an, an entertainment, right? right. And, and I think people are needing to look for something else, something more... Uh, constructive on in our society, something that has purpose, has meaning, um, and I think I think it's interesting that people that have all this money and all this pleasure and all this, all this happiness needs to find something ordinary, something that maybe is something that gives them pain or suffering to feel like they have a life worth living. Yeah. And I think us who maybe other people who like feel like their life is a struggle. It's a, it's a lot of toil. It's a lot of just making it, getting through it. Finally, oh, man, having that type of life seems so great, so blissful. Don't have to have any stress and worries whatsoever. I uh, can just, you know, you don't have to worry about any, worry about food, you don't have to worry about anything. You just get up and just be all, you're always happy. Yeah. But yet people who have that are just like, they have no purpose and meaning. And it's just fascinating kind of the dichotomy and the the, 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 the conflict that people are at is it's, it, 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 it does show that, like, you know, even if, if even if you are choosing a suffering, even if you are trying to help the world in a certain way, you're trying to feed certain groups of people around the world or, or bring healing to a certain group of people in the world, you'll find out even in that type of that, 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 that even your efforts in the money you provide, it goes to the wrong people. Yep. Or the people that are helped, it's so bare, it's so minimum yeah. in the whole scheme. People are still dying. People are still dying of hunger. You're like, well, then there's no, there's no, there's no hope whatsoever. And then that's where Christ comes in and brings, brings meaning. Even when we are working at, on the in the inner city or we're working around the world, you know, we could be almost hopeless and like, does it even matter what we're doing? Uh, once we leave, the same problems are going to bring are going to uh, come back up, and 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 so these problems just keep on happening, keep on compounding. How how is and how is God rede- redeeming anything? We know from Scripture that He is redeeming, He is working, and that can bring us hope and joy. Right, and and I mean, um, one thing that was helpful to me in this regard was uh, we're, we're drawn to fame, and we, we we pay attention. I mean, fame in 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 some ways. I mean, in biblical concept. We pay attention to things that people speak of in weighty terms. Uh, and this is a huge concept in the Bible: glory, yep. uh, honor, uh, yep. fame, devotion. I mean, these are, this is all tied up in the same kavod, this, this ancient term for how we can't help but value the things that other people have spoken of as valuable. And especially when you start talking about the sum total of what people speak of as important. Yeah. You are not an island and they will just be like, I don't listen to other people. And yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the challenge though is that fame without honor is not enough. Right. And we experience a lot of fame without honor. Right. And both of these things are a part of what real glory is. And so even those who have it, some of them are doing okay. Yeah. And they're able to manage through other experiences in their life what they're lacking, but others are just a train wreck yeah. because they're not able to manage what little glory they've right. been given. Right. And um, we all, I mean, one of the things that's common to humanity is we all struggle to 
manage the glory that God has given us. The abilities that he's given, they're dangerous to us. Yeah. And um, being a human is a very strange thing. Yeah. Having certain abilities. I mean, part of the reason that I love working with teenagers in particular is you watch them learn what they're able to do. And they are not... I've, I've seen kids sit down and just be able to play the piano out of nowhere. Yeah. And they assume, oh, everybody can do that. And I yeah. go, stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> not, not so. Yeah. Because that's what it is to be one of us. We each have certain abilities. Yeah. We always undervalue our abilities. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. then we look at somebody else and we go, but if I had that, but yeah. God, if I had that ability, then I'd appreciate it. I, I, I seriously doubt it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but that's one of the exciting things about working with young people is getting to see this because in, in this is, is where the stuff of life often is made. That If you can manage to be content with what you've been given, uh, and, and that we often focus on how in terms of physical, yeah, you want to focus on physical, but man, I don't know too many people who have mastered being content with what they've been given internally. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Um, and, and so this issue uh, is, is just foundational. Uh, here's how he, he carries on. Uh, quote, in a landmark 2013 study in the Journal of Positive Psychology, uh, Roy Baumeister and colleagues asked hundreds of subjects how happy they were and how meaningful their lives were, and then asked other questions about their moods and activities. And it turns out that some features of one's life relate to both happiness and meaning. Both are correlated with rich social connections and not being bored. And so uh, rich social connections, meaning you have a great time with certain people. Yes. Uh, and then not being bored. Uh, bored. Boredom, feeling like nothing would be exciting, that is a, that is a symptom of being spiritually empty. Right. Uh, and so, unfortunately, most everyone that we know either experiences that regularly or has experienced it quite a bit. Okay, right. so that's, that's where it is. Right. Um, they are also correlated, he says, with each other. People who report high levels of happiness tend to say the same about finding meaning in their lives and vice versa. You can have both. Uh, you can. And this is why, I mean, even I find it so uh, interesting that, so for instance, in our church, we have to talk about happiness is so different from meaning. And then you go to seminary and they say, oh, by the way, where it's translated blessed, talking about deep joy that Jesus taught, that could be translated happy too. Yeah. Because it's, it's not as if they're so unrelated that they don't affect each other. Correct. It's just there is a wrench. Right. There is a, you cannot tie your happiness to, all right, if I go to the store today and they have a Carmelo, my day's made. And if not, it's over. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not a good way to live. Yeah. And of course, you know, anytime we use like the Beatitudes to understand like, oh, so Jesus is saying like, to be happy is to be poor in spirit. And so we use our 21st century definition of happiness right, right. and pour it into a first century terminology. Right. What was their definition of happiness? Well, it had nothing to do with uh, certain days of vacation or going to Disney World or these other type of things that the 21st century kind of pours into the definition of happiness. And, um, and I don't know if I've ever done a study on happiness from a first century Jewish standpoint, how that would have been similar or different to our understanding uh, of happiness. So, um, but I do think that, you know, obviously uh, I think that there was a certain happiness that Jews experienced when they celebrated the Passover and they remembered who they were, uh, that God saved them from Egypt and from slavery, how God miraculously brought them out of the land of Egypt and, and, and the 10 plagues and, and bringing them through the wilderness. There's a sense of like, uh, identity to that history uh, that probably does bring out a sense of like yeah. proudness and happiness and uh, these type of things. Um, also, like uh, I, you know, your just your work and and your your friends that you probably very similar that we experience, right? right. Just the the similar people they probably experienced because of smaller towns and uh, smaller groups of people they lived around. They probably saw the same people every day right. and interacted with them in a pretty right. deep way, right? And you're they don't have no distractions with TV or. Any of these other type of entertainments, they, people were their entertainment. Right. So, yeah. You're pointing to a pretty big subtext of this article. And I, I was uh, tempted to say this American idea of reinventing ourselves and being ruthless, sure, sure. but this is written in Canada. Yes. So it really, I mean, the Western tradition in a lot of ways is reaching its end, not meaning it will end, meaning the purpose of the Western tradition in a lot of ways has been we'll see what all we can reinvent about ourselves. Sure. Start whole cloth. We'll, I'll say who I am. Right. Um, being rootless seems to be 
seems to be drying out the whole rest of the tree. Let me say it like that. Correct. And the leaves are, have fallen. <laughs> the limbs are breaking. Right. And this is what is happening. Right. And, and that seems to be a very important subtext of what is behind this kind of book. Um, because trying to reinvent ourselves, <coughs> trying to roam around and act like we didn't come from anywhere... I mean, this goes down to, uh, I do want to, you're, you've made me interested in getting to the country music artist. Because even think about how we like to, our celebrities to sound today. We like them to have two first names because there's so much rooted German last names and Dutch last names. And that's, it's so out right now. Sure. Because in, so, supposedly having a name like Luke Bryan or uh, John Daniel, it sounds so, quote, relatable. But... <laughs> It's turned out it's a bridge to nowhere. Sure. It's not that relatable because there's there's no beef. Where's the beef? There's right. nothing underneath there. Right. And this is the end of that project. Yeah. And well, maybe if we were so vanilla, yeah, then everybody would like it. It's yeah. like, well, guess what? Yeah. It's uh it, it is not seeming to pay off. And and that seems to be an important subject to at least point to right now. Yeah, I you know, again, maybe we'll talk about that for a different a different time, but it does seem like people they want a certain conformality across the board. Like they want, I was fascinated by this. Is that how, how people care so much about the musicians that play certain music that they happen to like, but then will cease not to like it if that particular person disagrees with a certain viewpoint that they have. Right, and it's like it's discovering like what, like, again, like what makes you happy? Is it, is it yeah everything fitting into a perfect box and and, and there's just no sense of like tension or conflict right? Mm-hmm. Um, let me be honest, I like I like Bob Dylan. I like a lot of music from the sixties and seventies. I'm really sure I don't agree with him politically right. or religiously, right, sure. whatsoever. Um, but I do like Bob Dylan's a lot of their, his songs. I like some of the poetry that he writes, and there's a sense where I, I don't know. There, I, it's almost like there's. Life is boring if there's a conformality across the board. Yeah. It seems like the tension is fascinating and interesting, and maybe there is a certain meaning in the in the conflict. Is we're kind of going off topic here, but no, uh, anyway, uh, that's yeah, <laughs> that is so important. Um, okay, so we'll jump back on the train. Uh, quote: <laughs> but There are also differences. Health, feeling good, and making money are all related to happiness, but have little or no relationship to meaning. This, this stuff yeah. is so deep. Uh, health, feeling good, and making money are all related to happiness, but have little or no relationship to meaning. Moreover, the more people report thinking about the future, the more meaning they say they have in their lives, and the less happy they are. The more people think about the future, the more meaning they have in their lives, but the less happy that they are. Because it's a building mindset, right? If the future is a, it's an unknown, right. and so you have to prepare for it. Right. And so that, that causes stress. Right. It causes some type of plan and process we have to put in order. Right. And resources have to be collected and organized to prepare for this unknown future. Yep. We were maybe based off these sources and based off these patterns, this may happen in the future. Yep. Not sure. But we're making a guess, and so let's prepare for maybe that potential future that causes stress. But there's a meaning, there's a project by which, right? I guess that's what I'm trying to understand. Right, yeah, and this is, um, he goes so many different directions that, uh, yes, that all that and more, it seems, is what he's pointing towards. Uh, And then this paragraph finishes, the same goes for stress and worry, more meaning and less happiness. Wow. Yeah, it's so it's so well, look, I mean, we can and we can make that concrete real quick. Have three children. There's something we have in common. Yes. More meaning for certain. More stress. More stress for certain. For certain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I want to go back to, uh, I want to bring in the sports view. Uh, yeah. Nick Saban from Alabama is one, like, what, seven national championships. And he, he is shown to be, like, a man who's not very happy. And they, you know, after he wins, he seems happy for a moment, but then quickly is mm-hmm. back to work, mm-hmm. right? And there's a sense where, to him, the future, the building, the that gives him a lot of meaning. Sure, it probably doesn't give him per se a lot of happiness because yeah. there's a stress, there's yeah. a building. It's like he's not relaxing and and kind of being comfortable in his success. Instead, he's like. I, I want something more. I, I want to build for something. For something, I want to build. Another, I want to build. This is a new, a new problem, and I need to find a solution. I need to succeed at the problem. And some people are like, "Well, why does he not just be okay with his success?" Right. 
And I think there's a certain like conflict. It's like, well, it seems like that's everyone's building to that success. It seems like when you've gotten to success, you should be then like, all right, I'm done. I'm comfortable. I'm stressed. I'm, I'm stress free. But instead he's not stress free. He's back to back to the grind again. Right. To him. That's like, he could say this brings me a lot of meat. Right. And so therefore I'm choosing to, to put a lot of thought process and stress behind this. Right. And, and I mean, again, to take a very deep dive from a Christian perspective, again, uh, where my suspicions go on that stuff is that if you are driven by selfish ambition only, then that will be harmful to you. Yes. That, that drive will be harmful to you. But if you are driven by a calling, driven by, I was made by God to do this thing, I know I was meant for this, and so I'm going to do it because I know there is meaning in it. I want to be faithful to this work. Well, then carry on. Yeah. And 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 in every day we always have to check ourselves because that that tendency that we might have and that maturity that we hope we have to go, I want to live according to my purpose and do what I was made to do can easily slip right into selfish ambition. Yeah. At any moment in our lives, I mean, we're that. Uh, we are that frail and that weak as, as humans. That's why we need the Lord at every moment of every day. Um, but uh, one of the ways to summarize this is uh, the main person we need to be concerned about selfish ambition concerning is ourselves. Yes. Uh, if you are basing your value on what you can do, then every day will either be, I have proven myself because I did good work, therefore I'm valuable, or Things didn't work out for me today. Therefore, I'm not valuable. Therefore, I'm angry. Therefore, I got something to prove. And we all know what this look is. People who have an axe to grind and are roaming around the office looking for somebody to take it out on. Right. We know this. Right. We've seen it. Right. Um, and so that that is right there present. Yeah. It's yeah. It's very, very uh, interesting. I, I'm kind of like in some ways because I, I'll be honest, I've always struggled with the term happiness. People say, are you happy? I'm like, I don't know if I like the term. Am I happy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm uh, they always say if you're stressed, that's a negative thing. Sure. Oh, you're stressed. That means that's a negative thing. You need to move towards more happiness. And I'm always struggled with like I don't know if yeah. There's a there's a sense where this is kind of ele- elevated as the goal happiness. Stress is seen as something you want to eliminate yeah. and move towards more happiness. But as this article is explaining, and as we're talking about, it's like calling. Yeah where you're like, I'm called to a certain purpose. And by pursuing that, it's causing me stress. It's causing me uh, uh, a sense of um, meaning, struggle, pain, toil, right? But it's worth it, right? I'm, I'm, I, I want to pursue this. I'm called to it. And so therefore, you're like, I'm not worried about happiness. I'm worried about accomplishing. I'm worried about fulfilling. And I think that, you know, some people I think who are I maybe favor more the need to be happy probably struggle to to pursue callings and purposes and mm-hmm. and, and pursuing more stress yeah. and more pain because it's for a higher purpose. Yeah. Where others probably put too much effort too much perspective here and they never allow themselves to just be in the moment and to be happy and yeah. to be content. Yeah. And so there is a sense where we need to find balance between yeah. the two, right? Yeah. I guess that's in certain seasons you're gonna probably be one way or the other, right? Some cases you're probably going to be more content. Maybe you have less going on over here. And so you're just kind of in the moment. You're happy with what God has provided already. And you're, you don't necessarily want more. You're just content, yeah. satisfied. And other times you're like, you're really pursuing, really focused. Like if you're getting a doctorate or something else, or there's another crazy, you're just really focused on fulfilling a calling and purpose. And you're not really necessarily about contentment and, yeah. and, and all those other aspects of happiness. Right. Anyways, it's pretty deep. Yeah, yeah, hugely important. <laughs> I remember I first ran into that idea. Um, Rich Mullins uh, wrote an article for Release Magazine uh, somewhere 25 years ago uh, or so, and uh, it's called The Pursuit of Happiness, and here's how it starts. Step one, abandon your pursuit of happiness. <laughs> yeah, it's not you worth your yeah. effort. Right. Two, step two, go bake someone a cake. And, and I, <laughs> the, the article is worth reading because long story short, look, Baking a cake for someone is worth doing. Even if you do it badly, sure. just do it. Yeah. It's still worth it. Yeah. If, if you do it badly, laugh at yourself. If yeah. you do it great, they'll enjoy it. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, if, if it goes badly, you've made a friend. Right. If, if, it, if, it, goes, oh, if it goes badly, it's good for you. If yeah. it goes well, you've made a friend. And yeah. so uh, very worth uh, that reading. That is very good. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's very, very helpful. Really, really helpful. Um, next one says this. I, this is where uh, this article 
ran right into what we do for a living. Uh-huh. Uh, quote, all of this suggests that meaning and struggle are intertwined. In another study done by the software company Payscale, more than 2 million people were asked what they did for a living and how much meaning they have in their lives. It turns out that the most meaningful job is being a member of the clergy. Others at the top of the list include teachers, therapists, physicians, and social workers. All these jobs involve considerable difficulty and a lot of personal engagement. Which I think if they, when they do the happiest study, clergy rank at where's the bottom. There would be, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. you just like, happy? No. No. Fulfilling? Yes. Yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I have great days. Obviously, we have great days, but you have terrible days, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is the nature of the job. And you see that. I mean, when you turn and, and look upon this profession, I, I would be interested to hear when you look back and... Oh, you noticed this very early that ministers, uh, if you keep your eye on them, have days of highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to explain this to someone. There's not a lot. I feel like being a clergy is like being the FBI. Like there there isn't a lot of like, so your victories no one knows about, like, Mm -hmm. but yet your failures are publicized mm-hmm. everywhere like i feel like clergy is like a similar in a sense where it's like there's not a lot of moments that i think are c- concretely like wow that was a moment of success yeah you know you preach like what's the difference between a successful sermon and a f- bad failure of one you're like you get up there you preach your message they didn't fire you i guess that that's a considered success i'm not really sure uh you got through it right well, here's what it is if you preach a good sermon, they say, good job and thank you. If you preach a bad sermon, they say, good job and thank you. That's right. Uh, they don't really give you anything else, right? Uh, and so they'll invite you back, I guess, to, to preach. Um, would you preach for his brother or pastor's house? Whatever it is, like, there's not a there's not a lot to kind of hold on to as, you know, there's as this is a this is a successful moment, right? Yeah. It, it, there are, but yeah, there, you definitely can can remember the moments of like, wow, that was a that was a blunder or that that was a very difficult conversation or that was a very difficult moment. That was a very sad right. moment. It was a very hurtful moment. Like you can kind of like remember a lot of those instances. It's hard to find maybe the, the, the other ones, but you do have, there's never a point where you're like, well, my job has no meaning. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I, I never I, had that point. <laughs> I visited a man in hospice yeah. yesterday. Uh, he was asleep when I got there. Right. He's had a stroke. He doesn't look like himself. It is. It's hard to see someone you care about in that situation, but no one else was there. And um, I know he won't live much longer, yeah. but I had a very strong sense in that moment uh, as I prayed for him, as I thought about what experiences I have had with him. Uh, this is one of those unknowns where I was meant to be at sure. the edge of. Sure. Um, and I, I don't want him to be in this situation yes. alone. Right. And stand there in that moment, uh, I knew that was the right place for me to be. Correct. And we live in a lot of those. And, yeah. and so... Um, there is much meaning uh, okay. in, in this work, for certain. Uh, next quote. Perhaps the self-conscious pursuit of happiness makes you think a lot about how happy you are, and this gets in the way of being happy, in the same way that worrying about how good you are at kissing probably gets in the way of being good at kissing. There you go. Agreed. There you go. <laughs> Over-analysis by paralysis. The <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, I, I just I, yeah, again, I think this is I, I want to go back to the same sentence. It's that a lot of people deal with a lot of self-conscious, just constantly thinking yeah. about themselves, yeah. and and they're just like constantly like I don't do this, I don't I don't have this, I don't have that. And it's like you're just thinking about yourself too much. It's yeah. like maybe you should bake a cake for yeah. someone else. Right. That would help for you. Maybe that was the therapy that you never thought you needed to do was just to sit down and go, I'm going to make dinner for someone and just give it to them. Yeah. And let you experience the joy that comes. From that, and yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of toil. It's a little bit of financial burden to pay for a food that you're not going to eat. Right. It's not going to benefit you. Uh, but I think more people probably need that in life, especially right now and like kind of the the COVID year and a lot of people focusing on themselves and this yeah. different things. Maybe the one of the the big needs out there is just to. Think about somebody else and their well, own struggle. And, and, and I mean, look, when you get self-conscious, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're in a... Yeah, it's in, just a spiral. In a, right, in yeah. some sort of downward spiral. And, right. and so really, I mean, the way I think of it is kind of uh, 
Go ahead and be weird. I mean, if you feel like you're out of the ordinary, well, be be who you are. But seek yeah. your common humanity. Seek for yeah. that connection. Yeah. Loneliness makes people do weird things. It makes us all do weird things. Yep. Uh, it makes us feel like a faker, yep. which is counterproductive. Yep. Um, but loneliness makes you feel isolated, which yep. compounds and makes you feel more alone and more isolated. Right. So more then, self-conscious. <laughs> right. And, and, and so seek as, as much as you can with all the strength that you have. Be vulnerable. Laugh at yourself right. and open yourself to the good things that do show up in every day. Uh, it's all, I mean, I know we're coming out, I hope and pray, of a season of, of loneliness for so many people right now. But um, there are ways uh, that are, again, the old paths. So there are ways toward hope. Um, <coughs> we just have to be willing to go where, uh, where there is water, where there is life, where there is spiritual vitality. Uh, listen to this one, quote, but another explanation is that the happiness pursuers often focus on the wrong things. A meta-analysis by Helga Dittmar, uh, Dittmar and her colleagues published in 2014 in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology summed up more than 200 studies and found that respondents report less happiness and life satisfaction, lower levels of vitality and self-actualization, and more depression, anxiety, and general psychopathology to the extent that they believe that the acquisition of money and possessions is important and key to happiness and success in life. Well, there you so go. We arrived, we arrived where we started. In a there you go. <laughs> uh, all of the measures, all of the metrics. Yeah. Uh, if you are engaged in the pursuit of stuff, it is bankrupt. Yeah. It, it, it will bankrupt your bank account, but worse yet, it will bankrupt your soul. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, so helpful. And I think, again, and then the question is, is that the answer is meaning. Yeah. As Victor Frankl says, if the answer is meaning, then where is the meaning? You know, right. is it just simply helping as many people as you can, like you're Superman and you're constantly trying to, uh, t- uh, extinguish every fire and yeah. save every, uh, fallen plane and everything that you could possibly, Oh, I got to save this, save this, and this little, you know, there's a, a certain exhaustion to that as well. I know. And finding true meaning is only in, in Christ and knowing that our identity is rooted in Christ and his work on the cross, that we don't have to, uh, even we don't even have to find ourselves through our pain or find ourselves through struggles if we're like Buddha and we have to find who we truly are and, right. and our discomforts and get rid of all desires and this type of aspects. Instead, our, who we are is in Christ. Um, God, our creator, who saved us through his son, makes us who we truly are in Jesus. And then we, we suffer because we care for other people the way Christ cared for them. And that does bring meaning because that's how God created us to do. He created us... Um, to find our actualization in Him, um, and then to be self, to be others focused yeah. as He is focused on others. And I really want to put a, a point on an impulse that I know uh, lives in me, and I've seen in so many, and that uh, there is an intuition or an impulse within us to say, "No, no, no! Define your own meaning. Sure. Make it up as you go. You yeah, don't need sure. to answer to anybody else." Yeah. Look, I think that's bankruptcy too, yeah. and, and that's uh, the key here. I mean. Though many believe they can, I don't believe we can manufacture meaning. I mean, even psychologically, if you made up a meaning, you're going to question it all the time because you know you made it up. Right. Well, how credible is it? Right. It, yeah. it, it, right. You are not capable of that. Right. And, and my concern is that we might do this and think that's the only option, the old roads, right. <laughs> that we cannot manufacture <laughs> meaning. And to the extent that we try to, uh, God is not so coarse or mean <coughs> that he says, no, no, no. There is no trail of breadcrumbs. Right. Listen. It's not the desert, go find it. Right, there, yeah. there, are, there are things that throughout the centuries, people have said, there is meaning in this. And they're the, they're the perennial things. They're the, they're the ordinary things we've been talking about. And, and all of the good things you experience hint at this. Look, if you're drinking coffee in the morning, there's a little bit of meaning in that because we talk to people about it. We know that the experience drives us to praise. Why is that? Why are we driven to praise to talk about there are good things all over the place, but they always push us higher. Right. Uh, We are not the source of our own meaning. Uh, and, and here's the thing, wherever anybody finds themselves, if you're even kind of going, you know, look, I, maybe I'm considering being a Christian. The question of God is the most important question that we ask. It's just, in a lot of ways, why are we here where this article finds us? We stopped asking. Right. I mean, if you feel the need to search out every single 
bit of research on this question, if you want to ask all the philosophers in every religion, do it. Right. Just don't halfway go there when that is the center of the most important questions that we have. Nobody thinks meaning will be found in possessions. Right. That, that has been, once again, tried and it has failed. Uh, there are other paths. Yeah. Go after them. And I, I would say that you know, people's desire to manufacture their meaning, this has been a, a failed project, what, for 400 years since the Enlightenment to yeah. define meaning? I mean, right. before the Enlightenment movement, people pretty much, most people had it in the West understood, okay, there's a God, uh, he created me, and he's the one that gives us meaning, right? Um, it's not something I need to manufacture, right? right? It's pretty much set before me. But ever since the Enlightenment, it's become a thing. It's like, well, God doesn't give you meaning. You're going to have to manufacture that. And, you know, science will help you with that. Technology will help you. Now money and the aspects. But I think we are coming to, as you're saying, the end of this project that, oh, so money doesn't give me any meaning. It doesn't actually provide much happiness and, um, you know, successes and accomplishments. Okay, those. so what, what do I have? I don't have much of anything. Yeah. And then it's just despair, yeah. as Schaefer says. You know, it's just complete despair. Yeah. How do I have meaning? I mean, if there, life is about having meaning and I don't have any meaning, then I'm completely despaired. What's the point of living in you at all? Yeah. And I think as Christians, pointing people to the God who created, who gives us meaning, uh, we don't have to manufacture it, is the the path towards the good life. Yeah. So, all right, you have to leave. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, this has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future. All right. Support.